0: And hello everyone and welcome to our program, The Truth to Set You Free, Bible Prophecy TV Radio Edition. I'm Vic Batista, along with Nathan Jones, my co-host, and yes, we're transmitting live from our station. Today we have an exciting program for you as we're continuing to talk about the seven people of the seven churches of Revelation. And today we're going to be talking about lukewarm Luke of Laodicea. So stay tuned to our program. It's going to be exciting. But before we continue, I'm going to ask Nathan Jones, my co-host, if he will open us up with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus,
1: we thank you so much for this opportunity to study your word. We ask, Lord, that you'll open up our insights into understanding what you have us say. Uh, Lord, that all of us, especially those tuned in, will grow in our relationship with you and realize the current times, Lord, so we can live faithful and just and in your presence. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Amen. I can turn into the truth will set you free as we're talking about the seven
0: people of the seven churches of the Book of Revelation. And, of course, uh, an exciting series, and we hope that you can continue to stay tuned to today's program and pray for us. But before we continue, I'm going to welcome my co-host, Nathan Jones. Nathan, how are you today? Good, brother. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, Nathan. We, we were, we're going to be talking about being lukewarm, but you are always on fire for the Lord, man, because God is always, you guys are always up to something. Well, you're a great example, man. I got to keep up with you. <laughs> no, but Nathan, it's exciting. But Nate, also, before we jump into our study, in case someone is not familiar with the ministry that you're involved in and all the wonderful things that you're doing, can you share with us briefly? Maybe someone is
1: tuned in for the first time. Well, certainly. Uh, again, Nathan Jones, I'm the internet evangelist with Lamb and Lion Ministries. We're a Bible prophecy teaching ministry whose mission it is to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ. And we do that through a number of different ways. Primarily our television program, which is called Christ and Prophecy. You can find that on almost all the major Christian networks. And through our internet evangelism, through our website at christinprophecy.org or lamblion.com, I invite you to check our website, christandprophecy.org. We have a wealth of material there to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Many social networks you can join. You can sign up for our newsletter, read our magazines, and even watch our TV show there. Fantastic. So Nathan, a a wealth of
0: information. And for anyone that's interested in growing, so we want to encourage our listeners and those of you that are tuned in also over our audio cast, hey, check out this wonderful, wonderful resource and continue to grow in biblical prophecy. Uh, So Nathan, that is very exciting. And of course, Nathan, I I always try to bring up the fact of the wonderful conference that's coming up uh, in July, which I'm hoping to be there with you guys live. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Well,
1: every year, Lamb and Lion Ministry hosts our big annual conference here in the Dallas area. We also hold regional conferences. Uh, This year will be in Kentucky. And then in the fall, Dr. Reagan will be leading a trip to, uh, believe it or not, a cruise. They're going to try a cruise conference. You can sign up for that at our website at lamblion.com. But our annual conference, the Bible Prophecy Conference, is actually focused on apologetics this year. We're going to have Kelly Shackelford of... um, liberty first and we'll have many other apologists like mike gendron eric barger uh, and many others and of course our own dr david reagan will be preaching and teaching during that time period you can come to here to the dallas area or if you'd like uh, you could watch it we'll be streaming it free on our website at lamblion.com and that'll be july 12th and 13th Uh, you could check it out on our website we have all the dates and information there
0: Nathan, I love the topic. Apologetics is something that is so important, Nathan, to defend the faith. So I'm excited. We'll keep that in prayer.
1: I'm sure glad that you and your wife are coming out here, man. That'll be a real blessing.
0: We we are looking forward to it, Nathan. It's been a while since we've been praying about it. And uh, Lord willing, we're looking forward to it. So thank you for the invitation. Thank you for coming. Awesome. Awesome. Nathan, also, as we live in a day and age where we see uh, so many changes in the churches, uh, good and bad. We see good trends. We also see challenging trends. We see Christians that are on fire for God, Christians that are cold, Christians that are lukewarm. Uh, and yet we find that through all the, ch- the, the churches of the ages, God has a message uh, for them. Sometimes a message of correction, oftentimes a message of encouragement. But we're finding that in the message to the churches in the book of Revelation. And you and I started this series a number of weeks back, Uh, talking about the seven people of the seven churches. And we've covered already uh, six of them. And today we are in our last church. Might you be able, Nathan, to give us a little recap uh, of the recent churches, what was going on before we jump into the last church, just in case someone is not familiar uh, with the message
1: to the churches of Revelation? Well, certainly. Well, we've got quite a number of different churches here, seven churches to be exact, where Jesus Christ came to the Apostle John while he was being exiled on Patmos an island in the Mediterranean Sea, and he gave them the prophecy of the book of Revelation. And in it, he addressed this letter of Revelation to the seven churches. This would be the church of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and now Laodicea. And each of those were real churches and real cities in what was called Asia Minor at the time, now is modern-day Turkey. Uh, We've seen throughout church history that each of these churches seem to represent different time periods, in church history and they actually follow as if you go around uh, modern-day Turkey to each of these seven places it's a big circle clockwise likewise as you go through church history different eras of the church are represented by the personality of each church as we make our way through the list of seven so we are now finally at the church of Laodicea which is the contemporary church that's the church of our day this is the church that would take place around 1925 post-World War I, up until this day. So you can kind of take away, too, that the fact that we're in the final age of the church also means, then, that we're very close to the soon return of Jesus Christ. Nathan, fantastic. And I I
0: love the way that you put that each church has its own flavor in a sense, time history. And and of course, a lot of it, of course, applies even for today, not just the church in general, but also the person in that church. Because Nathan, we've talked about that, that the church is made out of people. And the message also needs to be personal for those that are in the churches.
1: Absolutely. With each of the churches, Jesus introduces himself. He says a different aspect about his divinity. And then he commends them for something that they're doing right, but he also condemns them if they're doing something wrong. He then challenges them to overcome whatever affliction that they're going through or whatever um, fallacy that they've adopted. And then if they overcome, he promises them some great reward. And he ends each of the messages to the churches with, this is what the Spirit says, basically. He says, who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit, the Holy Spirit says to the churches. And you can see this pattern in each of the letters to these seven churches. And that is fantastic. And of course, we find now, as we
0: get into the message to the last church, an interesting church. uh, And we hope that those that are tuned in will also follow along with us because, again, this is is a, a message that is so vital. Uh, especially for the time since which we're living in. So Nathan, yeah, if you can take us through there, Revelation chapter uh, three, beginning on verse 14, uh, that would be fantastic.
1: All right, well, open your Bibles, like Vic said, to Revelation chapter three, we'll read 14, all the way to the end of the chapter, which is verse 22. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were cold or hot, so then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich, and have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye that you may see." as many as i love i rebuke and chasten. therefore be zealous and repent behold i stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door i will come into him and dine with him and he with me to him who overcomes i will grant to sit with me on my throne as i also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches Mm -hmm.
0: nathan a powerful powerful message uh there and uh one that really, really rings true to much of what's going on today. So, Nathan, what was going on in the background here? Because it seems also that there's something uh, there that relates to that church. Something what was going on in the background in the history. Can you talk to us a little bit about what was going on in Lancelian time?
1: Sure. Uh, let me actually read from a section of a book that hey, you and I are writing together right now, called "The Mighty Angels of Revelation," and it addresses the seventy-two different angels or classes of angels that you can find in the book of Revelation. Particularly, uh, let me go ahead and read uh, a little section that give you background information on this church. This would be chapter 10, which is the angel of the church of Laodicea. So let me read here. Jesus Christ's letters to the seven churches and their garden the angels wound their way around Asia Minor to their final destination of the city of Laodicea, located some 40 miles southeast of Philadelphia and 40 miles inland from Ephesus, the first church in the journey. Laodicea-like Philadelphia was also located in earthquake territory, having been leveled by the big ones some 20, uh, 35 years earlier before John's letter reached the town. Regardless of incessant quakes, the city for a long time continually rebuilt itself to its former glory. After all, Laodicea certainly possessed the great wealth to fund whatever rebuilding project, having grown extremely rich as a thriving center of Greek culture, banking, and learning. The town prided itself in its woolen clothing industry, especially the famed black garments that were coveted, then like the Armani suits of today. The sick who suffered from eye and ear problems flocked to this wealthy metropolis' medical school at the temple of Slepius to purchase its precious eye and ear saws. While Laodicea was known for amassing money, clothing, and medicine, the only material wealth Laodicea lacked was water. To provide the life giving fluid to their thirsty metropolis, aqueducts had been constructed which piped water down from nearby Colossae's cold springs. As the water trickled across the miles between the cities, the harsh sun warmed and blanched it of its freshness.
0: Mm. Nathan, that is a, a wonderful background, and I'm looking forward, Nathan, when the book is completed. Hopefully others will uh, be able to uh, support us in that because it's just a wealth of information. And there alone in the background, it really gives us a backdrop of what was going on, what what they're known for. And now all of a sudden, the Lord has a message uh, uh, for this church. And, and there, as you uh, opened that up for us, uh, you know, all of them had something to do with their work, right? Nathan, some had good works, some had bad works. Uh, but here we know, he says, I know your works, that you are neither cold uh, nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm, well, and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. And so here they have this spring of water that was lukewarm. And here it relates to
1: the temperature, if you would, of the people. How sad this
0: is, Nathan, what the Lord thought about them.
1: Right. It's very important, I think, especially with this church of all seven churches, is to know the background. It's a wealthy metropolis. It's steeped in Greek culture. It's got a lot of medicine. It's got a lot of clothing. Uh, Unfortunately, they're not near a major water source. They have to have their water we would call it piped in today, but they used aqueducts to get the water there. And unfortunately, as it traveled the eight miles to, to get there, it uh, the water got real bland and, and it wasn't neither hot nor cold. It wasn't very good to drink. I don't know if you ever drank warm soda. It's like the same thing. You know, it, it lacks its freshness. It lacks its taste. Knowing this is then that Jesus, who personally is addressing each of these churches, he picks up on each one of these different aspects of that church. Now, bear in mind that the churches before it, no matter how even the dead church offered something, they did something that pleased the Lord, not this church. There is nothing that this church did as good. It says, I know your works, but hey, you're not cold or hot. In other words, you're just going through the motions. You're not really excited about me, nor are you against me. You just are just going through the motions. And so immediately the Lord goes right to The negative aspect about this church, the condemnation of the church, nothing is good about this church. And and it's a real contrast, because here we're talking about a church at a time period where they had a lot of money, for instance. Uh, They were known that that they had three churches, archaeology dug up three different churches that had been planted in that town, which was uh, abundant for that time period. But there's no historical records left that demonstrate that any real evangelistic impact was made outside of their own walls. So the church wasn't hot to share the gospel. They weren't cold about sharing the gospel. They just were. And for all that wealth, uh, not being persecuted like some of the other churches, they just grew extremely apathetic in the Lord. And that's where they get their primary description of this church, the apathetic church.
0: You know, Nathan, and you bring a good point, and that's why we, we want to address. Now, we want to talk to those uh, the lukewarm Luke's in the churches. That's a that's a very dangerous place uh, to be in. And we find so many people today that they think that they're just okay. You know,
1: yeah, they're they're living a good life. They've got all their material needs met. Uh, particularly, this is a great example of the Western Church. Hey, we're wealthy. We have big buildings. We have great building plans. We have wonderful church services. We have lots of money in our own homes. We're doing well, thanks to capitalism. Uh, we've been blessed. We've been blessed tremendously. And because we've been blessed so well, we just think like, well, we don't really need God. I mean, yeah, he's there and kumbaya, and I'll I'll visit you on Sunday, maybe a few times a year. But, you know, there's no passion for the Lord. And so the Lord just rips right in, you know, for all the big buildings and, and all the outreaches they have and all. There's no passion for the Lord in it. and. And you're absolutely right, Vic, when you say it's dangerous, because this is what Jesus says right here verse 16. I will vomit you out of my mouth. It's like getting a uh, going to a restaurant, and you're ordering a meal, and, and it comes out, and, well, it's not cold, but it's not hot either. It's just kind of there, and then you're like, well, you'd like to send it back to get microwaved because it's just it's not interesting. And Jesus is feeling the same way. He says, hey, when you're apathetic towards me, You know, you say you're Christians and, and, you know, you're going through the motions, but you don't care. At least if you were hostile to me, that would be something, but you're not. And so Jesus says, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Very dangerous position to be in. I know. And Nathan, and that's why, again, we
0: find that this is a very dangerous position because I just just think so many people that wear the title Christians that I look how apathetic they are, and they just seem to think that they're okay. They don't share the gospel. They don't basically, they just maybe attend church. They think they're good people. Uh, but yet the Bible says, but by their fruit, you will know them. And I believe that we need to also bring forth good works as unto the Lord, not
1: for salvation, but good works because we are saved. Absolutely. I and mean, we saw the church in Ephesus and we saw the church in Philadelphia and others that they had a real passion for the Lord. And why? Because they depended every for every moment for everything on the Lord. They were under great persecution and great trial. And so they needed the Lord. I'm reminded of the early Puritans in the 1600s who fled the persecution of Europe to come to a new world, a hostile, dangerous, unsettled world. And they were looking for religious freedom. And they depended on, on Jesus for every second of every day for all the food that they could possibly get, and uh, they depended on their faith. You read the faith of the Puritans, and it's so deep and rich and thoughtful. But you come today, and you're lucky if people even bring their their Bibles to church, or if they even read them. And, you know, if they even go to church, a lot of times they're just watching church online. And and as an internet evangelist, I'm all for putting sermons out there. We're doing it now. We're podcasting the gospel. But you know, that's not what the Lord's looking for. He's looking for us to join a church that's active in the community and sharing their faith. And And look how deluded this church is in verse 17. You say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. That's true, man. A lot of our churches in the West, we've got it. we got great buildings, great programs, uh, good pastors. Uh, you know, uh, they're kind of doing the thinking for us and, and the faith for us. And, and we're not grasping hold of Jesus Christ ourselves And look what Jesus says. You do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. So for Mm -hmm. all the wealth that we have as the Western church, spiritually, we are the worst of all seven churches. We are even worse than the dead church in Sardis. Wow,
0: Nathan, what an indictment. And, you know, Nathan, and I have to agree because it really is a sad statement. When we today, and I heard a conversation just this week. Every time they talk about the fastest growing churches in America or the, the number one thing that they attribute is the, the glamour, the glitz, the lights, the trendiness. But I've never heard anybody say, man, this church is really exploding because of the teaching of the word of God and just the solid word. It's always something else that they're trying to add uh, to supposedly be uh, these cutting edge churches. And I think. Uh, we have to be so careful. Now, there's nothing wrong with those things. I always say that. But boy, how we look at this church and how lukewarm uh, this church was from the
1: inside. And that's what worries me today. And it's a big worry. I, I've served at a mega church for six years. Uh, it had all the glitz and glamour and money, as you would say, and it was very passionate about the Lord. They were hot in their faith and not everybody. But for the most part, the church was hot. But that's a rarity. A lot of times you see churches, it's more about how many butts they can sit in seats than it is getting people saved. And uh, we've seen that, especially with the seeker censor movement that Bill Hybels uh, started in Willow Creek, is that we, you should turn your your services, which are meant to equip believers to go out and share their faith, into evangelistic centers where you bring unbelievers into the church, and then you give them a 100-level Bible message. Well. After many, many years of doing this seeker-sensitive, we've gotten churches that are mile wide and inch deep. Their sermons never get deeper than what a seeker is looking for, and that's mm-hmm. left church members to be very shallow in their faith. They're not very deep. They they don't know the basics of the Bible, and that, it's a scary place to be in. And that's why the Lord counsels. You know, He doesn't just condemn. He counsels. He says, buy from me gold refined in fire. That means the riches of the Bible— he says you can wear white garments. Uh, we know in, from Revelation that means the righteous acts of the saints, righteousness, that you be clothed, that you're naked. In other words, we're spiritually naked. You don't want to be, when you talk about, Vic, I know you like to bring up Ephesians 6 a lot, the full armor of God. That, yeah. That's equip ourselves with the Bible, the Word of God. And, and here you're naked. In other words, you don't know the Bible enough to defend yourself against Satan's temptations in your life. You're spiritually blind because you're not reading your Bible and knowing what the Lord would have for you. So he says that we're blind here. So he says, you need to forget about the money and this false faith that you've put your your hope in and put your hope in the Bible and Jesus Christ, equip yourself, be passionate about the Lord. He says, as many as I love, I also rebuke and chase you. In other words, he says, hey, I love you. I don't want you to be spiritually blind. I want you to see and have life and therefore do these two things, be zealous for the Lord and repent of this sad, sorrowful condition. Nathan, and, what, and that's why uh, as we
0: look at this, uh, I also noticed there were, uh, this church reminded me of what happened with, with Lucifer, Satan, when he says, I want to ascend, I want to be like God. And here this church is saying, because I am rich. And, and yet the Lord says, I know your works. I could wish, and this what we think about ourselves, and then what the Lord thinks.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. It's funny how we, we as humans, deceive ourselves. And we see much deception in the world today at every level. So none of us are exempt from some level of self-deception. But it's a scary thought that we're living in a time period that has abandoned the teaching of Bible prophecy, the imminency of their soon return of Jesus Christ, and are adopting the belief that the church will grow and flourish and conquer the world for Christ, and then give the kingdom over to Jesus. It's it's nuts. It's It's a totally... Postmillennialism, as it's called, is a totally unbiblical teaching. But we're seeing churches more and more abandon the teaching of the soon return of Jesus Christ and adopt the idea that their church will become their own little kingdoms and grow and eventually conquer the world for Christ. Not at all what the Bible teaches, and it's left the church without the excitement, without the hope, without yeah. the comfort of knowing that Jesus Christ is coming back. Man, praise
0: the Lord! And you know, Nathan, that's why you and I wake up every morning. That's what we look forward to, and that's why we do these programs. We pray that anyone listening or watching would have that excitement and recognize this is what it's all about. The Lord is coming back very soon. We need to be excited and passionate about Him and telling others about His soon return. Can you imagine, Nathan, how how uh, how down, depressing it would be if there was no talk of coming of the Lord?
1: All I would think about is what work all day. Yeah, it gets us very center-focused, and I think that's another issue that this lukewarm church faces. Laodiceans were self-centered. They were the center of their universe, not God. It was about making money and worrying about their health all the time, and whatever the church offered, it was what can they get out of it. And that's what happens when you have an affluent society. It's a natural side effect. We're seeing it here in the West. We've got a tremendously affluent society, and it's creating a bunch of self-obsessed narcissists Who whine all the time about wanting more stuff this church is the same way it's it's totally self-centered and it's seeped into our churches and sadly if you want to see churches that thrive spiritually it's the churches that are persecuted because again they depend on jesus christ now when jesus says he will vomit you out of my mouth and you said how dangerous that is that is dangerous because what we're looking at then is what point then Will the Lord take the affluence away from us, the blessings away from us, and put the church in the West in a position of persecution in order to refine us and bring us back to him? Brother, I don't think that's a matter of if that will happen, but a matter of when that will happen.
0: Nathan, I am in agreement with you. And that's why uh, the ministry Lamb Lion and also Dr. Reagan done a great job talking about America and and what's going on in America. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't want to see it. Uh, but it's a reality, and and people are going to be shocked when uh, all this occurs. But those that are keeping their eyes on the Lord and studying the Scriptures, Bible prophecy, uh, it will not be a shock to them. We can see the signs, I mean, all around us, for those that wanted to see the signs. And that's why I think verse 19 uh, is also uh, really uh, says uh, wonderfully there what God desires. He says, as many as I love, I rebuke. And chasten, therefore, be zealous uh, and and repent. So, again, if someone recognizes, man, I'm in this church and I'm part of the problem, or if the the Holy Spirit puts that in their heart,
1: there's time for repentance, right, Nathan? Absolutely. Matter of fact, if you're ready to repent of your spiritual apathy, this is what the Lord promises in verse 20. He says, Hey, behold, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and him with me. In other words, hey, the Lord's ready. He, he, he's sitting there at the door. He's just right on the other side. And he's knocking on the door of your heart and he's saying, hey, come on, let me in. You know, don't be apathetic. Don't be self-centered. Hey, there's something much, much greater. And that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so in verse 21, he says, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So we're not talking about the simple little money that we can get, you know, and the comforts and a nice car and a nice house and an easy religion. What he's talking about is, hey, when you give all that up and dedicate your life to a passion for Jesus Christ, he promises you to sit on the throne of the universe and rule and reign with him. I mean, how can you compare? That's like comparing a a treasure of billions of dollars and you're holding on to a tiny rusty penny and and that's all you see see the difference you see how when you read bible prophecy the lord gives us the big picture and the big picture is this a life of passion for jesus christ has eternal rewards a life of apathetic self-focus is a useless life Mm, well put nathan well put and that's why I, i really love the closing there when the lord says
0: hey I stand at the door and knock. And that's an invitation. I mean, really, you and I, as we wrap up our programs, we oftentimes wrap it up with an invitation. And again, because we believe that there's individuals that are tuned in, watching or listening to the program who are open. Uh, They're right there. They recognize their faults and mistakes and they want to draw closer to God. And we want to talk to you now. Maybe you are that lukewarm Luke uh, from Laodicea or from whatever church you might be. But your heart is to repent. Your heart is to turn to God. And listen, we want to give you an opportunity right now. We hope that you can pause whatever you're doing and just pay attention to what we want to say to you, because we believe that the Lord wants to speak to you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And Nathan already led you in that uh, verse there. Whoever, uh, again, whoever opens the door, whoever hears the Lord knocking. And Nate, will you be able to maybe speak to that person that the Lord is maybe knocking on their door, how they can just go
1: all the way and let him in? Well, Jesus says that, uh, well, let's start with John 3, 6. And for God so loved the world, he loves you, that he, is, he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins. And so he died for you. He took the punishment of your sins on himself and then beat death by being resurrected back from the dead. If you believe that, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and Savior, he promises that you will be saved. In that belief, pray, confirm it in your heart with a prayer like, Dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sins and be my Lord and Savior. And he'll do just that. Your sins will be forgiven, the guilt of your sins will be gone, and you'll be promised eternal life. You'll be an overcomer, as it says in verse 21, and sit with him on his throne in heaven. If you are apathetic, you're already saved and you're a Christian, and you've just gotten kind of stuck in this world and focused on yourself, then he wants you to be an overcomer too. And he says two things, be zealous and repent. Repent from falling away from the Lord and be zealous about Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord, amen. Thank you, Nathan. And if that's you, listen,
0: God has wonderful things for you. Everyone that repents and turns to the Lord, the Bible says there's a celebration, in heaven for that individual. So the heaven is rejoicing for those of you that made that commitment to follow the Lord. And again, we want to encourage you continue uh, to um, be on fire for God. Again, don't follow this uh, lukewarm trend that we're seeing in the world that uh, that we're living in in the Christian churches, if you will. And uh, we know that God wants to use your life in a special way. Uh, but it's up to you to give him that opportunity to do so. So we encourage you to reach out to us. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to pray for you. So Nathan Jones, exciting, exciting series, the seven people of the seven churches of Revelation. Uh, Nathan, it's been a wonderful journey. I want to thank you so much for just recapping all these churches and then also closing us with the last message here to the last church.
1: Well, thanks. I've really enjoyed this series. It's been very eye-opening, and I hope that everybody who's tuned in has also been blessed.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Nathan Jones. And of course, our time has run out for this segment of the program, uh, but we thank you for being part of the program and tuning in. And of course, continue to listen in throughout the weeks for our programs. But uh, I'm Big Batista and Nathan Jones, and we want to thank you for being part of the program. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May His face shine upon you. Thank you for tuning in and have a wonderful week.